We are so glad that you are with us worshiping God here at Kenilworth Union Church, uh, the place where we seek to love God and neighbor by doing justice and loving kindness and walking humbly with the Lord our God. And it seems appropriate to be in this chapel today, uh, this place where um, I have sung for so many years with children every Friday and where we serve communion every Sunday, a place um, that is so sacred for so many uh, on a day when uh, we are celebrating the sacrament of communion and on a day when we're introducing a sermon series on sacred song. So welcome to worship. We are so glad that you are with us. Our scripture passage today comes from the book of Genesis, chapter 1, the very beginning of scripture. In the beginning, when God created the heavens and the earth, the earth was a formless void, and darkness covered the face of the deep, while a wind from God swept over the face of the waters. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light. Let us pray. God, may the words of my mouth and the meditations of all of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, our rock and our redeemer. Amen. Seeing that this pandemic would not let up, Ravinia canceled its season on May 1st. Lollapalooza would have been happening right now, today, this weekend, with teenagers spilling onto the metro all weekend long to go hear their favorite band. And no musical genre has been unimpacted. Austin City Limits, Lady Gaga's tour, James Taylor, Beck, Smashing Pumpkins, Kenny Chesney, Kiss, Bob Dylan, The Black Keys, Pitchfork, Snoop Dogg, The Dave Matthews Band, The Lumineers, Keisha, Fish, Rage Against the Machine, Kelly Clarkson, Bad Religion, Foo Fighters, Bon Jovi, the New York City Pride with opener Janelle Monet, the New Orleans Jazz and Heritage Festival, Summerfest, Shania Twain, Justin Bieber, Garth Brooks, Alicia Keys, Burning Man, it all evaporated. We've grown accustomed to front porch performances or backyard concerts, singing along to Spotify playlists from home or watching performers on Instagram Live. The early March images of Italian neighbors stuck at home playing guitar and makeshift tambourine out of their apartment windows seem a distant memory, but one with which we can resonate. Music binds us together. Music lifts us up. Music makes our hearts soar. It gives us meaning and it puts us back together. It brings us to tears. It vibrates within our whole body. It fills our soul. And so our sacred texts are filled with song. The Bible could literally be called an ancient sacred hymn book. 150 psalms songs sung first thousands of years ago but even now are held deep within us and then there's a book of lament as bill pointed out last week our own hymn of sorrow a sacred playlist for sad times and the oldest verse in the bible what scholars think is likely the bible's most ancient words is a song 
sung by Miriam, Moses' sister, after they finally get out of Egypt and put slavery behind them. Jesus' mom sings a song when she finds out she's pregnant. And in the letter to Ephesians, Paul says, sing and make music from your heart. We are people of song. It is the way that we praise God and the way we are bound together in community. My faith, I know, would disappear into the ether without the songs that taught and held my faith together. I am created by sound. My faith is created by the song of God. And so Joe and I are going to preach this sermon series on music, on sacred song, as a kind of dual lament and praise, in praise of music and in lament for the many lost opportunities to be put back together by the live music that gives us life. 800 years ago, Hildegard of Bingen became a Benedictine, uh, Benedictine nun and a theologian and later a friend of the Pope. Pope Eugenius III, if Pope history is the place where you hang your hat. Hildegard published an extensive set of writings, including an eclectic set of liturgical music. And she died in what is now Germany on September 17th 1179, and yet somehow Ryan Belongi still sings her music for us in worship. May Beyonce and Madonna have that kind of legacy 800 years ago. Hildegard's theology was rooted in mystical encounters and yet was thick with real-life metaphors. She was in tune with nature in a way that reminds me of Walt Whitman or John Muir or Mary Oliver, and she talks at length about the greenness of the Holy Spirit. Maybe our green team needs to look into this. The greenness of the Holy Spirit, or translated another way, the vitality, the freshness, the fecundity, the fruitfulness, the growth of the Holy Spirit. Hildegard was a bit of a uh, Renaissance woman serving as a leader in her own religious community while corresponding with religious and secular leaders of her day as a political advisor. And she wrote books on the, on the uh, cosmology, on botany, on zoology, on medicine that matched and exceeded the scientific scholars of her day. Late in life, Hildegard got into a bit of a theological power struggle with the Mother Church. She was asked to exhume the remains of a man buried at her convent because that man had been posthumously excommunicated from the church, kicked out, and therefore, apparently, uninvited to be buried on formal church property. Hildegard refused, and in response, the ecclesiastical authorities basically placed a religious restraining order on her convent. They were not allowed to receive the sacraments or sing the divine office. They could speak their prayers, but they were forbidden to sing them. As a woman dedicated to sacred music, whose theological tomes speak deeply of the way that God connects us in song, the idea of Hildegard not being able to sing was horrifying. She wrote letters to the authorities begging to sing, 
She said music was central to prayer and praise. It was necessary and vital and universal. She needed to sing. Music, she said, connected her to paradise, to that song of creation in which God speaks all perfect life and light into being, in which land and sea make room for animals to take form and the human beings are spoken into existence. Song for Hildegard is an entryway into the presence of God. She could not without song. For me, Hildegard's insistence that music connects her to paradise sends me back to Genesis 1. That first opening verse in the Bible says, in the beginning, God. My high school youth pastor growing up would often say that his faith started there in those first simple words, in the beginning, God. Not necessarily the part about God creating, but the idea that there is no time set apart from God, that God is always, and that we cannot find a place where God is not. For us, God is in the beginning, and so we all can begin from a place of trust. Every beginning is made holy because God is in the beginning. God was there, and so God is here. By the time you get to verse 2, the God in whom we place our trust hovers over a formless void, over a primordial stew, that messy stuff of creation that existed before God ordered something beautiful into existence. God hovers over the chaos. God is present in the face of the deep. God is present in the unknown, in the mess, in the layered, unmappable jumble that disrupts what we thought were well-laid plans, even well-laid plans to record this worship service in the sanctuary. God stands within the uncontrollable and the terrible. God is there in the beginning. We can trust God. And we can trust God because God is present in the chaos, even the chaos of this day, of this time, of this life. Verse 1 says God is there. Verse 2 says God is in the chaos. And verse 3, I think, says God sings order and beauty and life into existence. I love this third verse because it sets in motion that larger creation story in which God speaks everything into existence. And that's where I want to stay for a while. God speaks light and life into existence. The sound of God's voice is how this whole place is formed. In other words, we are created by sound. We are created by the sound of God's voice. And while not all sound is music, all music is sound, and surely the sound of God's voice speaking light into existence is a symphony unlike one we've ever heard. It is an aria, a canticle of grace that would melt even the hardest heart. It is a melody, a harmony, a tune so sweet that it gives us sunlight and moonlight and forests and oceans and neighbors and friends. God's song is a divine song that ushers in life and life beyond life. A song of love that makes possible you and me and every person and creature we've ever known or loved. 
and more and more beyond human imagining. We are created by song. We are created by the sound of God's voice. There is no analogy for this time we're living through now. There has never been a time in which we would have known how fraught singing and gathering to hear music could be during a plague. And it's hard even to find evidence of times throughout history where singing was forbidden. With no historical parallel, I feel a little bit unmoored, unanchored. And so this incident with Hildegard in her convent is evidence that asking people not to sing is truly a clever punishment. And if you watched Bill's garden chat with Lisa this week, you'll have heard Lisa talking about how unsafe it is to sing right now, the way aerosols containing the coronavirus can linger for up to three hours after singing, and how it's just not possible to sing together without the possibility of bringing life-threatening illness to one another. Our hearts are broken. And maybe in other times, singing has been forbidden by the powers that be, maybe during a religious war or maybe under persecution. But at least then, singing would be an act of resistance, a sign of faith. Right now, it's only an act of great danger, a threat to those we love and sing alongside. I've never in my whole life gone this long without singing in community. I grew up going to church and summer camp, music festivals. Five months and more to come without community singing is an unthinkable loss for me and my family. Probably yours, and uh, probably yours too. We know that music is healing. We know that the vibrations of singing can soothe our soul. In fact, there's research that suggests that even humming, the most simple form of singing possible, even for the most tone-deaf among us, can be healing. It increases oxygen in our cells, enhancing health and wellness. Humming can lower your blood pressure and your heart rate. Humming can increase circulation and clear toxins from our bodies. It can increase melatonin and enhance your sleep. Humming can reduce stress-related hormones. Humming can release endorphins that work as natural pain relievers and make us feel good and humming can release oxytocin, that love hormone that builds trust between us. We need that kind of trust and healing and rest more than ever right now. We need the possibility of health. We need to sing a future into existence that brings about justice and peace and thriving that God knows is possible for us. Singing matters. Singing is healing and crucial and essential. And so Lisa continues to bring her musicians together virtually, having them sing in their bathrooms where the acoustics let their own voices reverberate and heal and renew. And she brings that music to us virtually with all the technological challenges and painstaking hours of digital editing that were a huge lear learning curve and create unimagined possibilities for beauty and meaning and connection. And then she asks Joel Fox, our 
videographer and sound editor to put the text of songs on our screen so that we can easily sing and hum along from the safety and comfort of our homes because we need to sing and as the famous hymn says we cannot keep from singing so may a song rise up in you these days a melody that heals your heart that gives you rest that restores order in the midst of the chaos May God sing something beautiful into existence for you, now and always. Amen.